0: What is advanced maternal age? What are the exact risks for pregnancy and birth for someone who's advanced maternal age? And how does your pregnancy care, including your labor and birth management change because of advanced maternal age? You're going to learn all of that in today's episode of the podcast. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 177. I am so glad you're spending some time with me today. So, I have talked about advanced maternal age before in the context of genetic testing. I talked about that in episode 49 and again in episode 146 of the podcast. But I realized that I'd never actually done an episode solely focused on the topic of advanced maternal age. So after having what feels like a lot of requests for it recently, I decided to do it today. So in this episode of the podcast, you're going to learn the definition of advanced maternal age. Spoiler alert, it is not as straightforward as you might think. You'll learn how common pregnancy is over the age of 35, the effects of Being at an advanced maternal age, the effects on pregnancy, like some of the things that can happen, some of the increased risk that can happen during pregnancy because of advanced maternal age. And then finally, we will end with how pregnancy care is managed differently because of advanced maternal age. And spoiler alert, it is not as different as you might think. Now, regardless of your age, everybody, and I mean everybody, needs comprehensive childbirth education so that you can go into your birth prepared for the things that may come your way during your birth. And I happen to have an outstanding option. It is called the Birth Preparation Course. It's my signature online childbirth education class that will get you calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful birth in the hospital. And keep in mind that the course is not focused like on making sure you have a specific outcome because none of us can guarantee a specific outcome for birth. Birth is a very unpredictable process, but you will be able to manage that unpredictability. You will be able to control the things that you can control. And that will leave you feeling good, feeling satisfied with your birth experience, regardless of how things unfold. I really wish I could guarantee that everyone has a specific experience for their birth, but Unfortunately, that's just not possible, but I can guarantee that you'll be prepared. You'll be ready. You'll feel calm. You'll feel at peace going into your birth with the education and the birth preparation course. So do check out the birth preparation course. You can get all the details at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. All right, let's talk about advanced maternal age and pregnancy. Okay, side note, the code for that, it used to be, it may still be geriatric pregnancy, which I think is so absolutely ridiculous and disrespectful, <laughs> um, but it's, I'm going to say advanced maternal age and pregnancy. There actually is no universally accepted definition of advanced reproductive age in women. We know the fertility declines with advancing age, especially after 35, definitely after 40. And we know that women who get pregnant at later ages are at greater risk of pregnancy complications, but the age cutoff for advanced maternal age is not universally defined. Historically, it had been defined as a maternal age of greater than or equal to 35 At the time of delivery, delivery, and that had be, that was based on the risk of having a baby with Down syndrome being the same as the risk of having an amniocentesis to assess for Down syndrome. Those two risks were the same at greater than 35. And that's where the age 35 came in. Like, that's it. And that's actually based on older data because the risk of amniocentesis is actually much lower nowadays um, than what was in previous studies. So it was really an arbitrary definition. Other studies have defined advanced maternal age as 40 or greater. Now it should be, it's really important for you to understand that 35 or even 40 is not it's like a magic number. It's really a spectrum and it's a continuum. As age increases, the risk is going to increase. So do not think that, you know, the day before you're 34 and then you're 35 that magically suddenly risks are going to increase. That is not how it works. Same thing with 39 and 40. It's really a spectrum and things continue to go up. Now you are here when I talk about in a lot of the data. Um, older studies often grouped everyone older than 35 together, newer studies, uh, separated folks out including and separated out people who are 40 and older, because you'll see that most of the risk regarding being older than pregnancy is actually in the 40 and older category. So I'll go back and forth when I'm describing some of the data in terms of, am I talking about 35 and older, 40 and older? And that's just based on what data is available. But I want you to really take away from this, that it is not like, boom, you hit 35, all of a sudden the risks suddenly go up. It's really a spectrum and a continuum. And the other super duper important thing that I want you to take away from this is that studies have shown that most women over the age of 35, actually over the age of 45 and even over the age of 50 have good pregnancy outcomes. Okay. They have good pregnancy outcomes. That's why you can see women who do IVF in their fifties or late forties, because studies show that they will still have good outcomes. Okay. So although you need to be aware of the risk, the data shows that the most likely thing is a good outcome. But again, we're gonna talk about all of the risk in the episode today. So how frequent are births happening to women age 35 and older? So data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention from 2020 shows that 11% of first-time pregnancies in the U.S. in 2020 were in women who were age 35 or older, And 19% of all pregnancies were on women who were age 35 and older. So more and more women, there's been a continued upward trend in the mean age of pregnant folks in the U.S. And that is thought to be due to a number of reasons. One, there's just an increased population of women who are age 35 to 45, also, women are getting married later, or there may be a second marriage. There are better contraceptive options, so people have the ability to plan pregnancy better. There's also much better educational opportunities for women, career advancement for women. In fact, maternal education is one of the strongest predictors of using Birth control of timing childbearing and the total number of children that a woman will have. A college educated woman will tend to have very low birth weight rates in their 20s and then higher first birth rates in their 30s. And that just kind of reflects delaying childbearing until you've completed your education or career opportunities. And then when looking at surveys of women, women have said that they want to have financial stability, achieve some personal goals, um, maybe be in a stable marital relationship before planning pa- pregnancy. Now, on the flip side of that, older women actually also have a higher prevalence of not using contraception uh, compared to younger women. And some of that is from the belief in thinking that they can't get pregnant over a certain age, especially over 40. So although women under the age of 25 have the highest rate of unintended pregnancy, women who are 35 years and older have the highest proportion of unintended pregnancies that end in abortion so having surprise pregnancies and then those pregnancies ending in abortion um sometimes it it gets misinterpreted or maybe we're not giving the messaging correct that although fertility declines as you get older, fertility does not go away until you reach menopause. So it is theoretically possible to get pregnant up until that point. It's not likely, but if you want to be certain, then you need to use some contraception. So again, all, although older women um, do have like m- more pregnancies when they're older, they're also having more surprise pregnancies as well compared to younger women. meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. So let's talk about issues that can happen in pregnancy, and we'll start off with early pregnancy issues. So we know that older women will experience an increased rate of miscarriage compared to younger women, and that is largely due to the decline in egg quality, whereas men are constantly regenerating sperm. Women are born with all of the eggs that we're going to Have and the quality of those eggs declines as we get older and it increases the chances of having chromosome problems. So most of the miscarriages that happen in older women occur in the first trimester, but there is definitely an increased rate of miscarriage. And looking at a couple of studies with the numbers in one study in Norway, the, mis- the risk of miscarriage was lowest in women between 25 to 29. It was about 10%. And then it rose after the age of 30. And then for women 45 and older, it was as high as 53%. In another study that looked at almost 150,000 pregnancies conceived by um, assisted reproductive technology, this one showed that there is an increased risk of miscarriage, even if you see a heartbeat on ultrasound. So for example, in this particular study, um, if a heartbeat was seen at ultrasound, the risk of miscarriage for women less than 33 years old was 9.9%, 33 to 34, miscarriage was 11.4%, 35 to 37, it was 13.7%. 38 to 40, it was 19.8%, 41 to 42, 29.9%, and greater than 42 years, 36.6%. So you can see that spectrum, how it increases, whereas the risk for less than 33 in that particular study was about 10%, it was doubled 20% once you, you get to around age 40. Now, most of those miscarriages are, again, related to chromosome abnormalities. The most common chromosome abnormality is a trisomy where you have an extra uh, chromosome. Typically it's 21, but it can be other ones. So, um, and and there, I'm not going to get into the details of like which of those diseases are compatible with life or issues or things like that. But in general, The most common chromosome abnormality is having an extra uh, chromosome. So when we look at some of those numbers, and I'm going to give them to you based on data from a second trimester amniocentesis and then data based on live births, those numbers are going to be different because you're going to have a subset of folks who If they have a diagnosis at a second trimester amniocentesis, they are going to elect to end the pregnancy. Also, some of the pregnancies are going to end in stillbirth. So the data from live births is going to be a bit different than what you have data from second trimester. So for all chromosome abnormalities, for someone who is 35, the risk of a chromosome abnormality is one in 132. The risk for trisomy 21, the most common, the risk is 1 in 250. So that is at age 35. When we look at live births, the data, the risk for any chromosome abnormality at age 35 is 1 in 204. And the risk for trisomy 18, I'm sorry, trisomy 21 is 1 in 385 okay, that risk is going to increase. So it increases a little bit, a little bit, a little bit with age, with each year in age. So when you get to age 40, the risk of any chromosome abnormality from a second trimester amniocentesis is one in 40. Um, The risk of trisomy 21 is one in 69 in second trimester. At birth, the risk is one in 63 for any chromosome abnormality and then one in 106 for trisomy um, 21. And when you get to age 45, then it's um, definitely a lot higher. Second trimester, any chromosome problem, one in 12, trisomy 21, one in 19, for live births, any chromosome abnormality at age 45, 1 in 19, trisomy 21, 1 in 30. So it's really a spectrum. The older you get, the higher the chances of having a chromosome abnormality. Now, in addition to having a chromosome abnormality, there's also an increased risk of having a child with what is called a congenital anomaly, so that that's something that's physically Uh, wrong with the child. For example, my first daughter, I wasn't advanced maternal age when she was born, but she had a congenital anomaly called duodenal atresia, but her chromosomes were fine. Her intestines weren't connected together. There is a particular increased risk in older um, moms, an increasing maternal age of having a congenital anomaly of cardiac problems. In uh, one study, the risk of major congenital anomalies for women who were less than 35 was 1.7%. In the ages of 35 to 39, it was 2.8%. And greater than 40, it was 2.9%. And then another study looking at folks just in Texas, um, babies of women who were 20 to 24 had congenital malformation rates of 3.5%. And then for those 35 to 39, it was 4.4% and greater than 45%. And in both of these studies, cardiac anomalies were um, definitely increased in both. Now, as you can hear, the overall numbers are still low. So the risk of having a problem is low. It's just that it is higher as you get older. Okay, so let's talk about later pregnancy issues. So some issues that happen in older women are related to just being older, but it can also be difficult to tease out because older women are more likely to have other factors at the same time that can increase the risk of pregnancy complications, for example, having twins or more from having gone through IVF or some sort of assisted reproductive technology, they are more likely to have had children before and having, the more children you have, the increased risk that can occur with each pregnancy, they're more likely to have chronic medical conditions, especially diabetes and hypertension. I'm going to talk about those two in a in particular, in just a moment. And all of those things are more likely to be present in older women compared to younger women. And that may increase some of the risk. So take all of the things that I'm saying with that kind of grain of salt, that it's hard to sometimes tease out the different things. A lot of the studies try to do that, but sometimes it can be challenging. Now, with that being said, when you look overall at kind of the data, Based on the prevalence of issues in older women, such as heart problems, kidney problems, autoimmune problems, obesity, all of those are increased with advancing age. And because of that, overall, the, the data shows that women greater than or equal to 35 can expect to experience two to threefold, two to threefold higher rates of hospitalization. Cesarean birth and pregnancy-related complications than their younger um, counterparts, and if smoking is added, then that's going to increase it even more. Now, I don't want that to frighten you, and you know, make you think, "Oh my god!" And, and I literally said, like, thirty-five isn't a magic number. We do have to like kind of decide some things in terms of, of of determining risk. So, I just want you to look at that as a big picture. Kind of yes, you you can expect to be at increased risk for some things, but as you will hear, the risk overall, the absolute risk is still low. Okay, so let's talk specifically about hypertension, both pre-existing hypertension and hypertension that develops during pregnancy. And diabetes, both diabetes that exists before pregnancy and gestational diabetes that develops during pregnancy, both of those conditions are increased in older women and they are um, especially increased in older women who are overweight. When we look at hypertension, Hypertension is the most common medical problem that is encountered in pregnancy, and it is fairly prevalent in older women. The odds of being diagnosed with chronic hypertension are two to fourfold higher in women who are greater than 35 years of age compared to women who are 30 to 34, and the incidence of preeclampsia is also higher. The incidence of preeclampsia in the general obstetric population when you put everyone together is about three to four percent This increases to five to 10% in women over age 40 and it's as high as 35% in women over age 50. I'm going to be honest, y'all. I'm 47, knocking on 48. I cannot imagine being pregnant over age 50. That's just a random side note. Okay. (laughs) Um, I will say that the maternal and fetal issues that can be related to hypertensive disorders in pregnancy can certainly be reduced with monitoring, appropriate interventions most often, which is going to be induction but there is an increased risk of preterm birth, having smaller babies, and also cesarean birth. And I want you to hear that those numbers were still low. So it's like a 3 to 4% up to 10%. So still not likely. It's just a higher chance. Okay. And before I move on to diabetes, let me say, I'm not throwing shade to anyone who is pregnant, older, more power to you. I just know that for me and where I am in my life right now, I certainly couldn't imagine being pregnant um, in right now or in my late fifties. Okay. All right. So let's talk about diabetes. The prevalence of diabetes increases with maternal age, both the rate of having diabetes before pregnancy and gestational diabetes. Those are increased anywhere from three to six fold in women, 40 years of age. Age or older compared with women who are age 20 to 29. When we look at the incidence of gestational diabetes in the general OB population, it's about 3% that's going to rise to 7 to 12% in women over age 40, and then 20% in women over age 50. So again, the overall risk is low, but it is most certainly higher. And having pre-existing diabetes in particular is going to increase the risk of congenital anomalies. It's going to increase the risk of stillbirth. It's going to increase the risk of having a big baby with gestational diabetes. So oftentimes there are different things that are working together like age plus diabetes plus hypertension plus weight can all kind of work together to increase risk. And it can be hard to tease out what those, those exact risks are based on each factor but I just wanna give you a good overview of all of the information that we have out there. Okay, so let's talk about placenta issues. Women who are over the age of 40 and having their first baby have a tenfold increased risk of placenta previa. Placenta previa is an issue where the placenta covers the opening of the cervix, but the absolute number is low. For women who are 20 to 29, the risk of placenta previa is 0.03% whereas for women greater than 40, the risk is 0.25%. So overall, very low, but there is an increased risk. Interestingly, there doesn't seem to be an increased risk of placenta abruption. I had in my mind that that was an increased risk, but placenta abruption by itself, and like in the absence of other issues like hypertension or diabetes, is not increased in older women if you don't otherwise have any issues. Okay, when we look at... Low birth weight and preterm delivery, advanced maternal age in the majority of studies um, shows that it is in- increases the risk of both. So the older you are, you have an increased risk of low birth weight and preterm delivery. I try to focus data on studies from the United States because you can't always use data from other countries in order to apply it to us. We do sometimes because that's the best data available. But I really in the podcast try to focus on giving you the data from studies in the U.S., and in one study, the adjusted odds ratio for delivering a low birth weight infant increased with each five-year increase in maternal age. So um, it was 2.3 times for women who were greater than 40 compared to women who were 20 to 24. Interestingly, in that, in that study, the maternal age effect on having both a very low birth weight and preterm birth was similar for the oldest compared to the youngest group. So in that particular study, it showed an increased risk for low birth weight. In other studies in Sweden and Canada, they have shown an increased rate of preterm delivery rates in older women as well. But again, that that data is from folks outside of the US. There is one Finnish study, and it was a big Finnish study of about 125,000 folks that actually did not show an association. So that's why I say most studies do. Um, But there is at least one study that doesn't. So I did want to make you aware of that. But the data we have from the US does show a slightly increased risk of preterm birth and low birth weight. Now let's talk about stillbirth. This is probably one of the biggest things that uh, we all get scared about is stillbirth in older uh, maternal age folks. And that is because the older you get, as I said, the difficulty with getting pregnant increases so it's harder to get pregnant as you get older. And I hate to sound like I like I don't want to sound like callous and say like you know someone who's 25 has like lots more years to try and have another baby if they're pregnant. So a stillbirth then is not as as Difficult per se. Obviously, stillbirth at any point in pregnancy is incredibly difficult. But the reality is that a 25 year old who has a stillbirth has 10, 15 years to try to have more children, whereas a 40 year old who has a stillbirth does not have those same number of options available. I do think that in our society, We have not always done a good job of explaining that fertility, really honest to God, does decrease as you get older. Please do not ignore that because you will be unpleasantly surprised if you run into issues and wait too late to get pregnant. Um, When you see, and I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but when you see celebrities and things who are getting pregnant in their late 40s and 50s, that is often or likely due to the use of a donor egg, um, not their own eggs, or if it's using their own eggs, they've had to go through many, 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 many rounds to get there. Typically, like some fertility clinics won't even use a, a woman's own eggs over a certain age because of the, the quality is so low. So it is a reality that fertility decreases as you get older. So that's why we get really concerned about stillbirth and advanced maternal age. Now, with that being said, let me tell you what the numbers are because they do go up. Okay. So in one study of over 5 million singleton pregnancies in the U S the risk at the risk of stillbirth at 37 to 41 weeks for first time moms increased significantly with maternal age. So the risk of stillbirth for women under the age of 35 in this study was 3.73 per 1000 pregnancies. Between 35 and 39, it was 6.41 per 1,000 pregnancies. And over 40, it was 8.65 per 1,000 pregnancies, okay? So it doubles between under 35 and over 40. Still, the overall risk is low, but it, it certainly goes up. And it definitely increases at 40 weeks, for older women, and that's gonna come into play in a minute, 40 weeks for older women, whereas for younger women, the risk of stillbirth tends to increase more so over 41 weeks. So for older women, the risk sharply increases at 40 weeks, for younger women, 41 weeks, and I'll talk about why that's important in a minute. In another study, the numbers were similar. It was six per 1,000 pregnancies stillbirth among all pregnant folks, and when you looked in older women, it was 10 stillbirths per 1,000 births for women age 40 to 44, and 13.8 per 1,000 births in women older than age 45. And that was even taken to account things like hypertension and diabetes. And then in yet another study using National Center for Health Statistics data, that's from the CDC, this was about 5.5 million singleton pregnancies without any congenital anomalies. Um, uh, that study found that the risk of stillbirth was threefold high to, higher for those aged 40 and older compared to those with, um, who were younger than 35. So yes, data very strongly supports that the increased risk of stillbirth goes up with age. But the overall risk or the absolute risk, I should say, is still low, but it definitely goes up with age. Now, interestingly, in contrast to the increased risk of stillbirth with increased maternal age, the risk of neonatal death among babies who are born preterm is lower in preterm infants of older women than it is in younger women. And they Think that that may just be to um, women having higher, getting steroids and maybe lower rates of things like substance abuse. But babies of uh, moms who are born early and the mom is older tend to do better actually than women who are younger. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode, and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favorite to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources, from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content, it all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially, if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of All About Pregnancy and Birth. Again, that's rankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. All right, so let's talk about labor and cesarean birth. So Studies show that women who are greater than 35 do tend to have a slower labor and they have a higher risk of being delivered by cesarean. But there are some caveats with that, okay? It's a little bit controversial. Some of it is because of an increased risk of medical issues that will cause um, um, cesarean birth to be needed for the health of the mom or the baby. There is an increased risk of breech presentation as women gets older, so that contributes to it a little bit. But there is also probably a lower threshold to move to cesarean birth on the part of physicians for sure. And there is maybe a lower threshold among patients as well. It is not uncommon that we see in older women that they're like, hey, this is my one child. I just you know let's just get this done and have a cesarean birth or even cesarean birth or maternal request which is you know totally reasonable whole nother topic so um there are lots of reasons why there's an increased risk of cesarean birth in women who are older Um, I don't think it's necessarily related to any issues with labor and certainly plenty of women who are over 35 have vaginal births, um, but you do need to know those caveats so you can be informed and make the best decisions for yourself. Okay. So the final couple of things I want to talk about are uh, maternal morbidity and... Mortality, and then a couple other just random things thrown in. Actually, let me talk about the couple random things, and I'll end with maternal morbidity and mortality. So, advanced maternal age is associated with an increased risk of twins, and that's largely redu- largely due to the increased um, use of assisted reproductive technology. But interestingly, the outcomes of multiple pregnancies in older women are as good or better than the outcomes in younger women. I, we don't know why that's the case. So it's very different, a single pregnancy versus multiple pregnancies. And then the other thing that we know is a short interpregnancy interval, especially in women who are over um 35. So pregnancies uh, between birth and then getting pregnant again, that is six months or less. If that's a short interval, if it's less than six months, that definitely increases the risk of having complications. Okay. So to end with maternal morbidity and mortality, um, 100% women who are older have an increased risk of issues if they um, happen in pregnancy. So in one study, from Washington State. This was over 800,000 singleton births and women who were age 40. They had an eightfold increased risk of amniotic fluid embolism. That's something that's rare. And then a threefold increased risk of shock compared to women who were 25 to 29. Um, Women who were in the 45 to 49 age group had a 16-fold increased risk of kidney failure, a five-fold increased risk of admission to the intensive care unit. When the groups were stratified by age, compared with women who were 25 to 29, the risk was 0.9% for women who were 40 to 44, so low, 1.6% for women who were 45 to 49, uh, and then 6.4% for women who were 50 or older. That was the risk of having any, any issues. And in this particular study, they adjusted for things like education, race, marriage status, insurance, all of those types of things. And then in another study of about 37 million deliveries, it showed that women between ages 45 to 54 had a 3.5 times risk of severe maternal morbidity compared with women age 25 to 29. Okay. Also the risk of cesarean birth, preeclampsia, postpartum hemorrhage, gestational diabetes were increased as well. So I say all that to say that the risk again does increase as you get older, although the absolute chances of anything happening are actually low. Okay. Are actually low. All right. So taking all of those things into account, how do we manage pregnancy in women who have advanced maternal age? So in the early part of pregnancy, it's actually not much different. So you may be tested earlier for just uh, for type two diabetes, meaning diabetes that existed before pregnancy, just because oftentimes women may not go to care other than their OBGYN or other than when they're pregnant. Um, So we may test for diabetes early in pregnancy in the first trimester, uh, as opposed to the third trimester where we typically test for gestational diabetes. We may test in the first trimester. But then otherwise, everything is pretty much the same. You still get offered genetic testing. You still get a comprehensive ultrasound around 20 weeks to look for everything. So not much is generally different, okay? Um, There is also a recommendation for low-dose aspirin for reduction of preeclampsia risk, For folks who are age thirty-five and older, that is an increase. uh, That does put you at increased risk for preeclampsia. So, if you are thirty-five and older and have at least one other risk factor, so another risk factor would be obesity, hypertension, diabetes, previous history of preeclampsia, you should be on a low dose aspirin. That is one of the things that has actually been proven to help reduce the risk of preeclampsia. So that's considered a really strong recommendation from ACOG. And I will say that, I'm, that the things that I'm talking about are from ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, their recommendations for pregnancy care in women 35 and older. You will find that practice in practice, some things are done different, but what I'm telling you are the recommendations from ACOG. So um, early pregnancy care, pretty much similar. You may be on a low dose of aspirin, but not much different. Okay, so things are a little bit different as you get towards the end of pregnancy. So because of the risk of large for gestational age and small for gestational age babies, so babies who are larger than we suspect based on how far they, along they are when they're born or smaller, ACOG does suggest an ultrasound for growth in the third trimester for those who have an anticipated delivery at age 40 years or older. Okay. 40 years or older. Now, I will say that ACOG grades that recommendation as weak and based on low quality evidence. All right. So it's weak and based on low quality evidence. And a lot of that is probably because third trimester ultrasound for growth can be notoriously inaccurate. So that is one of the reasons, but there is some data that shows that as women get older, babies may be bigger or smaller. So for example, for macrosomia, the rate of macrosomia is about 12% in women younger than age 35, 12.6% in women age 35 to 39, and then 15.4% in women age 40 years or older. So not a huge increase, but an increase in the, the, Differential is similar for small for gestational age babies as well. And so based on that limited data, that is where ACOG makes that recommendation. Now, they do have a couple of caveats to that. One is that although um, the data demonstrates increased risk of growth in babies that are women age 40 and older, they do very specifically say that there is insufficient evidence to recommend ultrasound for growth in the third trimester for women who are 35 to 39, unless they have other risk factors. So it really is specifically for those who are 40 and older. And there are no guidelines regarding the timing of when it's done in the third trimester or the frequency of when the ultrasound is done for women who are greater than 40. So this is where you will see a lot of variation in practice, you'll have one doctor who may say, oh, you're going to get an ultrasound at 32 weeks and 36 weeks for growth. We'll we'll kind of follow it and see. Um, we do have some doctors who will do that for women who are greater than 35, even though ACOG says it should really be 40. Some other sources may say 35. So there's just going to be a lot of variation potentially in care. There's not a lot of good data to form recommendations about this. All right, now next ACOG says that they suggest offering what's called antenatal fetal fetal surveillance for pregnant individuals with an anticipated delivery at age 40 years or older, given the increased risk of stillbirth. So I talked about the increased risk of stillbirth, particularly for 40 and older. So that is why they, they suggest offering antenatal surveillance. They call this also a weak recommendation based on what is considered moderate quality evidence. And that is because the benefits of it are really unknown. There aren't enough large studies. It's very difficult to study interventions like this, especially for stillbirth, because it's going to be like, okay, we need like 10,000 women who are 40 to decide that they will be in the study. 5,000 of y'all will say, hey, we're not going to look and do anything. The other 5,000 will say, hey, we will do something and then just kind of see what happens. Like that's a really hard study to do. Uh, So it's, it's, it's probably something that's never going to happen. Um, Studies of things in pregnancy can be challenging for for that very reason. With that being said, however, ACOG and also the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine have kind of set their own recommendations and guidelines that if the risk of stillbirth is more than 0.8 per 1,000, and that's based on Um, Some other data, I'm not going to go into that, but if the risk of stillbirth is greater than that, then they recommend doing what's called antenatal surveillance and antenatal surveillance can be doing NSTs, non-stress tests. It can be biophysical profiles, which is looking at the baby on ultrasound as well. And so they say that because of that data supports offering antenatal surveillance for pregnant folks who are anticipated to deliver at age 40 or older. They do specifically say for individuals age 35 to 39, there is insufficient evidence to recommend it in the absence of other risk factors for stillbirth, okay, like hypertension. I know I go back to that a lot, but that's pretty common. And they also say that there is no recommendation for the timing and frequency of antenatal surveillance. So when does it start? Does it start at 35 weeks? Does it start at 36 weeks? There are no specific recommendations. So that is going to be doctor dependent. Okay, and then the question that I get the most induction about uh, for those who are quote unquote advanced maternal age, ACOG says, We recommend proceeding with delivery in well-dated pregnancies at 39 weeks, zero days to 39 weeks and six days for individuals with anticipated delivery at age 40 years or older due to increasing rates of neonatal morbidity and stillbirth beyond this gestational age, all right? So I talked about that earlier, that especially over 40, the risk of stillbirth goes up, all right? But what I also want you to know is that it doesn't seem that induction increases the risk of cesarean birth, In this, in this particular cohort. So there was one randomized trial that specifically evaluated the effect of induction of labor compared with waiting on the rate of cesarean birth in women aged 35 years and older. It included 600 women. They were randomized and randomizing is the strongest level of, of scientific evidence that we have. They were randomized to either labor induction between 39 weeks and 39 weeks and six days or expectant management up to 42 weeks. In this particular study, it was in 2016, I believe, they did not have any antenatal surveillance unless there was another reason to do so. So no NSTs, no biophysical pro- profiles. And in this study, there was no difference in the groups in the cesarean birth rate. 32% cesarean birth rate and in induction of labor group cesarean birth rate in the expectant management group. And people can look at this different. Some people will say, oh, there's no difference, then you might as well be induced. Uh, Some people will say, oh, there's no difference, so you might as well wait. It's really how you interpret the data. There was also no difference in intrapartum, postpartum complications, or neonatal outcomes such as stillbirth or NICU admission. So in this particular study, it said that both options were reasonable. The ARRIVE trial, which is a study that is quoted a lot in terms of labor induction, in a subgroup analysis of women age 35 and older compared to those who were younger than 35, there actually was no difference for the primary outcome of issues with baby or cesarean birth rate. So there was no difference in cesarean birth rate for those who were greater than 35 when you were induced versus not induced. So in this particular um, case, it does not increase the chances of cesarean birth, okay? But it will decrease the risk of stillbirth. So this is really a shared decision-making process about the things that are important to you. And this goes back to, remember how I said, the rate of stillbirth at 39 weeks um, goes up a lot for women who are older compared to, it's similar to the rate for women who are beyond 41 weeks. So the rate of stillbirth roughly at 39 weeks in women who are age 40 and older is about the same as the rate of stillbirth for women who are age 25 to 29 and who are beyond 41 weeks. So in general, we say, induction after 41 weeks to reduce the risk of stillbirth. But that, and that's based on a specific data or number, but that rate is the same as for 39 weeks. So that's where we get that we don't want you to go, you know, we we I, I shouldn't say we don't want you to go, but we often suggest 39 to 40 weeks, especially for women over 40, should definitely be considered or offered, knowing that you don't have many opportunities to get pregnant again, and the chances of a successful induction are likely. And it's not likely to result in a C-section as long as you have a doctor who is will go the distance for, for the induction. Now, that was all for women who are 40 and over. ACOG specifically says that between 35 and 39, the evidence for elevated stillbirth risk is not sufficient to support a clear recommendation regarding timing of delivery beyond routine practice. So for stillbirth between 35 and 39, the data is is not there. Okay, and then the final thing that I will say is that ACOG suggests counseling that vaginal birth is safe and appropriate if there are no other maternal or fetal indications for cesarean birth. A lot of times you'll hear people say, oh, because you're older, you're just, you know, you should just go ahead and have a cesarean. That is not true. That is not what the data says. ACOG says there is no reason why you cannot go for a vaginal birth. um, And that is considered a strong recommendation. Okay. So don't let anyone say that because of your age, you should just have a C-section. That is not what ACOG says. All right. And then the final things that I will say, and these are just a couple of little bonus things, are some of the things or data... For later in life for those who are older parents. So one study noted that increasing maternal age was associated with improved health and development for children up to five years of age. They have less unintentional, unintentional injuries. They have better language development, social development. Um, they also often have like more, the parents are more patient um, they have the attention of their parents. There's more financial stability. So there are some benefits to waiting until you're older to have children. Now, you do have to be aware of things like being mistaken as grandparents or the possibility that because of your age, you have a higher risk of serious illness. So you have to get things in place to be able to provide support for your child, like insurance and life insurance and all of those kinds of things. But there certainly are some, some benefits to, to having children at an older age. Okay. So as we wrap up, here's just a recap of the episode. Number one, advanced maternal age is not strictly defined. 35 is not a magic number. It's arbitrary. It's really a spectrum. The risk related to pregnancy increase with, with age and those risks especially increase over the age of 40. They can also be influenced by other factors like hypertension, diabetes, or weight issues during pregnancy as well. With that being said, pregnancy complications do increase with age, including miscarriage, chromosome problems, some congenital issues, especially cardiac problems, placenta previa, gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, cesarean birth. There may be an increased risk of preterm birth. There's also an increased risk of stillbirth, the over the absolute risk of those things happening is low, but the risk is increased. Pregnancy care actually is not drastically different, especially in the first and second trimester, just based on your age. However, the third trimester is may vary depending on the doctor. ACOC says offer ultrasound in third trimester, although the timing and frequency is not established, and those that's for pregnant women who are 40 and older. Also offer labor induction for those who are 40 and over. And keep in mind that labor induction will not result in an increased risk of cesarean based on the studies that we have. And as long as your doctor will go the distance with induction, because sometimes it can be a long process. Between 35 and 39, that is not as well established, even though a lot of doctors will push for that. You can tell them that ACOG does not recommend that. Um, That is, but they say in their document it's not necessary between 35 to 39, just based on age alone. Okay. Remember, there may be other factors that um, influence the decision or the discussion regarding induction. Okay. And then the final thing is just remember that still, even as you get older, Although the risks are increased, the most likely thing is that things will be fine, but you need this information so that you are prepared just in case. And then last thing, do not forget to get educated comprehensively about childbirth. And you can do that through childbirth education. Do check out the birth preparation course, my signature online childbirth education class that will get you calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful birth get all the details at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. One of the benefits of the course is the private Facebook group. And there's a community in there of lots of different types of moms, including moms who are advanced maternal age. So that's a great resource for you as well with the course. All right. So there you have it. Share this podcast with a friend. Sharing is caring. It helps me to reach and serve more pregnant folks. Also subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to me right now. Leave me a review in Apple Podcast. I love to hear what you say about the show and it helps other women find the show. We can connect further after the show on Instagram. You can find me there where I'm posting regular content to help you during your pregnancy and birth. I am on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. So that's it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth.